Hey Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics and I need your help or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory. That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at mcunningham at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks everybody and stay strong. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Uh, a couple of things before we get going into the episode is uh, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I'll put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides Coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back, listen in, and enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. Thank you. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chat. I am your host, John Mark Raspberry, current strength coach over at Dyer County High School. I have on today Samantha Wentz, who is the head strength conditioning coordinator and the head volleyball coach at Perkins High School in Ohio. Coach, um, welcome to the Conjugate Chats, and uh, I look forward to this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm uh, not in Tennessee, but I'm uh, over here in Ohio. So, uh, well, thank you for having me. for me, I am just getting into this field. So, you know, there's a lot of things that I pop up or maybe I didn't expect. And coming from the uh, college realm, I was a collegiate athlete myself. It just kind of made sense to me, right? Like we were all college athletes. We knew how to move our bodies. We knew what to do for the most part. And now teaching these young uh, minds is uh, huge. It's a big task. And I feel honored to be somebody that gets to implement and embrace things with them. Um, but it is a big task. and. I know we talked about uh, we're just going to kind of talk about what high school strength finishing look like, maybe some myths. How do we do coaches? Um, I even dabble in middle school, too. So in my school district, I've got over 22 teams between seventh through 12th graders. So it is a it is a lot. So uh, for me, I would say, 
you know, the biggest thing, I guess we could bounce ideas off, but in the high school realm, like, what do you see as one of your biggest concerns maybe or things? Because I know I see a lot of things, but my biggest thing is uh, making kids uh, try to understand that there's sports performance behind everything that we do and there's a science behind it and understanding like why they move their bodies because there's so much in their outside world that they see on social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, like, oh, this is how we work out. So that's my biggest challenge, breaking that down. Do you see that uh, in your gym as well? Absolutely. I mean, there's always going to be barriers that you have to kind of break down uh, when you enter the high school realm because, you know, when you first walk into a building, the kids don't know you and the kids are skeptical of like, is this person really out for my best interest? Are they not? And I think also a challenge that, you know, I've started to see myself is like, you're not going to relate to every single kid. Like, not not every kid's got the same interest as you. And just because you like the weight room and like to, you know, throw heavy weights around, stuff like that, not every kid likes that. That I think that's another kind of, like, topic that I see. And I've seen it before. And, you know, I've only been in the game for now, I think, a couple of years. So yep. pre-green, pre-fresh, but, like, you know, there's nothing like experience and getting in with those kids that um, kind of open your eyes up to certain issues and certain topics, you know. Yeah. No. Wow. I I can relate to that because so I see that a lot with my middle school kids, especially because this is the first year they're playing a school sport. Uh, coach says, hey, you got to come to the weight room and you, you got kids and I've never even learned how to hold a ball, hold a dumbbell, hold anything, you know, move their body in some sort of coordinated fashion um, because it's just been play in their life up until now. Right. Um. And it's funny you say that because last year taking this new job on um, as the head strength coach, they'd never had anyone before. In specific, my cheerleading coach said to me, these girls had never been in a weight room. They've never been given the confidence to go into a weight room. And they, she said kind of what you were saying, like, not all of them are going to love it. But I will tell you one thing. If you build the confidence for them, then they will, you know, respect that. And they'll give you all that they got. It might not be their favorite place when they walk in, but she goes, I know if you can train them and just get them super excited about the weight room and just teach them how, you know, to live a healthy lifestyle. Cause some of them only do cheer, you know, some of them don't play other sports. Um, but she kind of said the same thing. It was like, they'll give you hundred percent. I'm not going to tell you they're all going to love it, but I have had cheerleaders stay with me year round training now simply because we've made it an exciting place. Not, not that they loved it, not that they even thought they could lift five pounds or 10 pounds or whatever, but it just became like a focus of, Hey, how can I live a healthy lifestyle? How can I, you know, do something that's greater than myself? So I would definitely uh, agree with that too. And building confidence is one of those things that, um, it's exciting to see inside of coaches as well because you know we go from maybe a uh, female athlete that's pretty you know skeptical of the weight room. I don't want to get too bulky. I don't want to uh, you know I I don't you know I don't want to embarrass myself out in the weight room. To you know she's actually crushing weights and um, I had a funny story. Um, I've coached track this past year and you know our shot putter she first year ever. And um, never touched a weight, ne never did any weight training, stuff like that. And, I mean, she was pulling probably about 225, 235, 240 by, you know, the end of the track season. Pretty decent. And, you know, doing some chin-ups for, you know, more than just holes, reps. And uh, I look at the, the guy sprinters and like, 
You see that? She's stronger than you. And, you know, that raises her confidence a lot because now she's stronger than some of the guys. But also the guys are like, okay, now I got, you know, kind of catch up a little bit. But, you know, um, seeing confidence inside female athletes is probably one of the most, or just any athlete, not just females, but all athletes, you know, getting to see that confidence rise in them is, is remarkable. Yeah, I would uh, definitely agree with that. And it's funny you said that because, you know, I wonder, I, I would love to pick your brain because I get, obviously, being a female strength coach, I get super excited when any athlete learns anything. But specifically, you know, the kids that are maybe less confident in themselves, and sometimes I do find the females maybe a little bit more on that side because I feel like, you know, the old way of thinking is only guys are allowed in the weight room. And now it's, you know, heck, I'm a female strength coach. Like, that would have never heard of years ago. So. It's funny you say that, um, that even you kind of get excited seeing a, a female do something or anything. Now, on the flip side, do you find yourself ever kind of getting pushback from a female because you're a male coach or any challenges that you run into? So what I've seen, and I mean, this is very subjective. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have female sprinters that didn't want to increase their weight. You know, they were comfortable at, you know, goblet squatting 20 pounds. And they were comfortable at that weight. And they're like, well, I don't want to go up. I don't want to, you know, push that limit. Um, But, I mean, that also comes with telling them, like, look, we want you to get stronger. You're not going to get bulky. You're not going to, you know, look like, you know, you're about to be competing on a bodybuilding show. This is for you to you know, be better at your sport. This is not for bodybuilding. This is for, you know, you can get better at your sport by doing this. And I think where the the truth lies in that is when we actually go to meets and they PR'd on, you know, their next meet because they ran the 400, you know, uh, 0.1, 0 0.2, 0.3, I mean, even a second faster than what they did the last meet. And I was like, look, we, we've been doing this. It works. We're going to continue doing this. And it only works if you are progressively getting stronger as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And it's funny. It seems like we have a lot of parallels of the same things because high school kids just really, truly embrace like the small wins. And like once they see it and once they like, you know, accomplished that goal, it's like, oh, my God, it makes sense. It works. And we're like, yeah, guys, it, there is something to it. It worked, you know. But I think I, I kind of like you find it rewarding when, you know, maybe they weren't confident in themselves and then they go do it and they see it. And I think it builds that rapport and that trust like, oh, my gosh, let me keep doing it. How much more can I get out of this? Like, I just had a kid come back from um, a football combine. and He was like, oh, my God, like, listen to my 40 yard time and like things like that. And he by no means he's a lineman. OK, he he by no means has the, has the perfect, uh, you know, 40s. But he was just like wow, I shaved time off, like, thanks for working on me, or things like that. I had another girl, she'd been out of uh, gymnastics for a few years, and she was a cheerleader. She started doing it. She goes, I think because I'm getting stronger, I'm going to go back to gymnastics. I stopped because I just wasn't able to keep progressing. I wasn't, I didn't have a strong core, and I was like, oh my God, like, that's super cool. So I even think like they start to become self-aware of things and, you know, it, it really just builds that within them. And I don't know, that's just really rewarding to me because I didn't say like, hey, go do this and you'll be better at gymnastics. They kind of 
were open-minded and they told me and I was like wow that's really cool and now I have girls like going to stunt camps and cheer camps and other things like that and my one of my cheerleaders she wants to cheer competitively in college and you know she's going to all these big schools every weekend and she's like they just are really impressed with how strong I am like thank you so much coach went and I that's just a lot to me you know you could put whatever you want on a sheet of paper. You could put whatever numbers you want on a sheet of paper. You know how it is with high school girls or girls, kids, whatever. But if they buy in and they're invested, there's going to be some sort of return on investment somewhere. And you said the key word there or a key um, kind of moment there that even the people that run in these cheer camps are noticing that your girls are stronger than you know, some of these other cheerleaders that may have not have a strength program in mind or in place for them. And that's really the difference maker. And I guess overall buy-in, not even, you know, just from cheerleaders, but all athletes as well. Can they go out and perform their sport and not have pain, restrictions, um, doubt? I mean, that's a big one, doubt. You know, can they go in their sport and fully in mind succeed in that sport, you know? That goes back just that that talk about confidence, you know, instilling that confidence because, you know, it's one thing to put all the I, I love numbers. I don't know if, you know, a bunch of people probably know this about me. I love numbers. I absolutely will crunch numbers to death. But on the other side of that coin, you know, outside of the numbers, are they feeling better? Do they feel better about themselves? Are you getting more wins? Are they are other people noticing the changes and, you know, their performance? That's the difference maker. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's funny you said that because so a few a few teams last summer, I was all all number based. Right. I, I didn't start it with all of them. Like I said, I didn't want to overwhelm them. They've never had a strength conditioning program. And now this summer I was like, nope, every team, every team's going off of numbers. Every team's like tracking everything, like their weights. And this is like the second week of some of my newer teams doing it. And they're like, oh, my God, this is cool. And I'm like, yeah, because they get to see their improvement and I was kind of on the other side of you like you know trying to really build that confidence and trying to you know gain all of that buy-in my first year considering half of them didn't even know what strength conditioning was and now I've switched more to the number side and they're loving it because it's something they can see something that they can work towards and something that they're like hey this is my goal I have to hit it or I want to beat it or something like that so I definitely can relate to you on that side of things absolutely coach um let's talk about some other areas of concern that we see in athletes one was being obviously the confidence part because um you know athletes can hide their confidence very well in some aspects some athletes can't um and we kind of touched on that what are some other areas that you see in the high school strength and conditioning world uh, how do we outreach to coaches, you know, other coaches inside the building? You know, we're a fresh new person walking in and we're one to have a, you know, unified strength program, united, united, uh, unified strength program. Right. So how do you kind of break down the barriers of some of the coaches that may have some doubts, may have some, um, you know, questionings of what you're trying to do at the, at your school? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great question. So. When I went into this, right, I I knew that I had to have most, if not all, of my coaches on board with me and my philosophy. Because if there was any doubt in their mind, their athletes would have doubt and there would be lack of confidence. Or, I mean, 
if they weren't pushing it and they didn't understand where I was coming from, I might not even have athletes to coach. Honestly, bottom line, at the end of the day, if I don't have that, then that's what it is. So for me, um, I think being open, honest, and vulnerable, being your truest self, explaining your philosophy. Um, I personally called each coach and I got them on board because I was in the process of moving and things. So I couldn't have like a meeting right up front. Um, so I called them. I said, hey, this is where I come from. This is my background. This is kind of what I've worked with um, on this sport in the past. Um, like if it was soccer, hey, I've done this with soccer kids in the past, things like that. And they were like, oh my God, wow, this is awesome. Because I think they were stuck in that mindset of, you know, I'm creating bodybuilders. They're just going to go lift weights, throw weight around. Like there's a whole sports performance aspect to it as well. And I think they loved, you know, when I said, you know, it's going to be individualized to your sport. Some of these are going to be individualized to your skills, like, you know, different positions and things like that. And I think they caught on quickly. And I had, if 90%, if not all of my coaches on board. So I said, but listen, I was very upfront. I said, if I don't have, a good, you know, trusted connection with you and you don't have my back, it's going to be really hard to train the athletes that maybe might not understand it or buy in at first. So I asked for them for a full pledge, you know, 100% support right off the rip. And I got it. And I think starting in the summer um, with teams definitely helped than rather starting in a school year because we could build over time. Um, but it almost became a mandatory in air quotes uh kind of time for them to show up a mandatory optional whatever you want to call it um time for them to show up and kind of learn like it was a huge learning phase and I think I really focused last summer on you know technique learning um kind of assessing them where they're at and building that confidence so by me building up their confidence in me you know helping them understand things it started to build their own self-confidence, if that makes sense. So I think in the beginning, you know, as a coach with kids that are unsure in very different levels of ability, you have to kind of instill that and push them and build them up, like love on those kids, love them up because they want to learn. And if you give them the tools, they will. And then that self-confidence turns into team confidence. And that team confidence that I saw in some of for example, if it was a fall sport team, they carried it into the winter sport team and then the winter sports to the spring sports. I didn't meet some athletes maybe until if they were a basketball kid only. I didn't meet them until September, October. But because we had so many kids that were building their own self-confidence, it became a team confidence and it carried into the next sport. So I think it goes hand in hand with your coaches and with your athletes when they have their ear back and they say, hey. Coach Wentz is going to put you in the best position possible. You know, then they're like, oh, yeah, I got to show up. I got to be held accountable. I got to be the best version of me. And then they take, you know, accountability for it. And then it's a team thing, you know, and then it kind of snowballs from there. So that's what worked for me this past year. I also think it helps when you have multi-sport athletes, right? So we have, um, let's say in the fall, we have a volleyball girl that plays basketball and then plays softball. You know, you have the same girl. And usually, if you're from small town anyways, you got the same athletes playing the same sports anyways. Um, so, I mean, if you got, let's just say, five volleyball girls, well, those same five are playing those same basketball team, and that basketball, those same five girls are playing the softball team. I mean, that's three sports, and you got already got five girls on board. 
that that's I mean that carries through. That carries yeah. through to the next sport, and then it just kind of grows, and then the next sport, and it grows. And I think that also the the caveat on top of all this is results, right? Are they feeling better? Are they are you getting more wins? Are you winning more? You know, yeah. are you going in deep into the playoffs? Are you making the playoffs? Those are you know essential things for teams because you know whether we know or not, athletes want to win. We got some competition inside of us where we want to win. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. I feel like we have about, in the high school, I think we have close to like 300, 250, 300 athletes, and almost 85% of them are playing two sports or more. So it really helps. And we are a smaller school, so it, you know, we got about 150 kids a grade-ish. So that really helps. And like you said, specifically, like my volleyball girls, most of them go to basketball. So, you know, some of my basketball only girls, like I said, I I didn't really meet until basketball season. But then once it was basketball season and those few girls that were basketball only saw the energy, it was like, yep, we're one now. And so now after going through this first year of, you know, maybe the teams that weren't hot right off the rip. And then they were awesome. Going into this summer, I have even better attendance. You know, those kids that are like, well, it's not my time or not my season yet. But, you know, I always have an off-season time spot for athletes. But I barely had kids last summer. One, they didn't know me. But now it's like, oh, I want to keep keep this thing rolling year-round. I want to keep it flowing. And something that you said is like, once they see it, you know, it keeps going. They want to keep coming back for more. And my perfect example is my football team, right? So when I came in, I'm testing them on here, here, here. These are the benchmarks here, here, here. Day one, they're like trying to impress me and max out for me. I'm like, I don't need to see that day one. Like, I don't want to see it day one. I want to see how you can move, right? Like, I want to see what I'm working with, where we're at, what are our weaknesses, what can we work with? And so we do all our testing and everything, and they're like, oh my goodness, like, wow, this actually worked. And I was like, yeah, what? you don't need to max out every time you're in here, every time you step foot in here. And then we just tested again in April and they were like, oh my gosh, like this is a bigger jump than even last time. And I'm like, yeah, I said, but this is why we do things the way they do things. And I think it's easy for high school boys, football kids especially, to give you that pushback and be like, well, why are we doing this? I I don't need to do my 50% today. I don't need to do my 60. I I can do my 90. I'm like, no, there's a reason, you know? But as you start to explain that, they are like, they see it now. So I got a little bit of buy-in and like understanding like why we do things last summer um, at the end of the summer. And then once this April, it, it was like the light bulb moment for them. It was like, oh, there is a process. There is a way to do things, right? Cause you and I, I mean, we've been educated on it, but I think my biggest challenge sometimes is articulating that to high school kids one they don't really want to hear about the science when they're working out two they just are like hey tell me what i need to do but then they don't want to hear why it's important so to get them to see and work with those numbers and see it come full circle that's even brought more more buy-in from my aspect and i also think it comes a little differently from us um, I know that you're a head volleyball coach, and I was a head track coach and a football coach for like the l- last four or five years. So yeah. I kind of understand a little bit of like, well, you're a football coach, you're you're the head track coach. Like we're doing this because we're being told to, right? right. So um, let's get let's go from that perspective a little bit because 
you know, um, how do you balance being a head volleyball coach? Because I lived a life before. It's, it's sometimes it gets a little messy. Um, but how do you balance that life of being a head sport coach and then being a head strength coach? And then you got to work with all your athletes, but you also got playing practice and playing tournaments, games, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be very honest with you. So I just got hired on uh, beginning of this year. So this will technically be my first upcoming season as head and head. <laughs> so when I came to this school last year, I was just hired on as, you know, the head strength and conditioning coach. Well, when the old coach sat down um, and I applied for it, I was like, well, I've always wanted to have my own program. And so I got the position and I was super excited. And I, I was very honest with my athletic director. I said, you know, do not hire me if you don't think this is going to work. Because I didn't want that conflict of both things. But I said, for me, I said, I'm going to still continue to need your support. But I said, I want, for me, my biggest thing before I made this decision was I wanted to have all of my coaches um, that I've already been working with on board with me. I wanted to make them feel secure with the fact that I will not neglect strength and conditioning since that is obviously my first priority. but Volleyball is also a passion of mine. It just so happens to be my full-time job is strength and conditioning. And if you work weird hours and you're not always like, I don't do any training during the school day because like I said, this is a new program. So they don't have a school schedule yet where it's been structured around kids to come to strength and conditioning. You know, it's not been a, an established thing for a long time yet where they've adjusted the school day schedule. So I said, and you know, most coaches were on board with it. They were like, we love, you know, that you're doing that. And all of my athletes that I now have going into volleyball love that I've already created a connection with them. In terms of planning, so I've already had to do a lot of this because, you know, I've been um, helping train them since the end of April so far. So for me, um, I prioritize obviously strength and conditioning, but any downtime I have or any free time I have, I I plan just like I would with strength and conditioning. So strength and conditioning, I have 22 teams I have to plan for, program for, schedule, and all of that. And then in my free time, which is so much when you get home after coaching kids all day, um, I structure, you know, all right, I'm going to schedule these games. I got to uh, schedule these practices. I got to work my practice plans and things like that. So in my off season specifically, I focus a lot on, getting like the major structure of things done for the fall. So games, um, scheduling, um, like, I don't know, even the littlest things like ordering t-shirts and like, you know, the things that coaches don't think about, like setting up busing and all of that crazy stuff. So when it comes in season, this is my idea going into it, right? First year, um, during the day and I can focus on writing my practice plans and writing my workouts and things like that. So all of the general stuff that like I don't need to worry about in season is going to be done by the end of summer. So when we are like fully in season come August 1, like right after tryouts, I am just worrying about like, you know, daily things, daily goals, rather than trying to set up busing and scheduling and all of that. So um, this is my first step doing head in head. I've been assistant and assistant before and those go great hand in hand, but I am ready for the challenge. I'm a very organized person so that really helps because i am organized um but like i said it's going to be a learning curve for me so if you have any pointers please let me know i mean it's going to take organization 
Um, that was one thing. Like it's easy to kind of get caught behind being the head Shrinkos and then being the head coach of another sport because like you're going to sit there and you're going to think strength conditioning because that's that's always kind of the forefront of our minds that strength coaches right we're worried about well we need to get this team done we need to get this done this program needs to be done and then in the back of your mind it's like well i still got to practice and for volleyball i still got to schedule games and while i was a head track coach i mean that was the back of my mind it's like I got order t-shirts, and then I got order snacks, and then I got order, you know, this, and then I got to talk to this person. I got to talk to our AD. Then I got to get a bus, and then, I mean, it's just a reoccurring thing. So it definitely does take an organized person to accomplish all that. Yeah. I, you know, everybody asked me, like, how are you going to do it? And I was like, well, we all got to, you know, we all got to try somehow, some way. So I've done a lot of my stuff for in-season, like the schedule is set. All of my busing has been set. I did that like really early on. Um, but I always say it takes a village and I have awesome staff with me. Like, unfortunately, I am the only person right now in strength and conditioning. So I don't have that village right now. I have to be that village and I know that. Um, but I, you know, I think when you're honest and transparent with people, you're going to get the most out of people. Um, and I've already told my assistant coaches like, hey, these are my duties these are your duties all of this will be done by then um but i need you to take care of this and you know what it works that way it works well that way and it has worked so far that way um because they kind of all respect it and it's funky because you know my hours are either before school or after school so my volleyball team um you know they're going to be kind of later in the evening and i told them that i said you know you would think you guys would get first dibs on the weight room, but actually you don't. You get placed at the end because, you know, I have to make sure I'm taking care of everything else. And guess what? I'm your coach, so I can squeeze you in wherever, you know, wherever you want. So um, that's how that's going to go. But I'm still going to go about um, morning and like right after school training. And then on game days, what we've uh, worked out right now with my athletic director and I is I will be coaching up until the bus leaves and then I will leave and then we'll go from there. Now. Like I said, there is only one of me, so there has to be some give and take. And I've already told coaches, like, hey, this day, you got to be there. Everything will be planned out. The kids already know what to do. You just need to be a body there and watch. Um, and I think it is good to empower the kids sometimes. Like, there's been an instance where I had I, I had to leave work one day early. And I said, all right. I looked at the coach and I said, I'm not going to cancel your time. Your kids know what to do. I just need you to stand here and make sure that nobody does anything stupid. And I pulled my um, seniors and my captains aside. I said, here's how exactly how everything went done. I went back to the coach. I said, how was it? He said, our kids know what we're doing. And I said, that's, and that's how it should be. Like when you empower a kid, they really take it and they own it. And they are, they want to own it. I think, I think when you empower them, they flourish. If you kind of shelter them, they kind of get in the well I don't know did you say this and I'm like no go do it like be confident and I think that's where the confidence piece can help build that leadership almost in my gym at least that's what I've done absolutely and something that kind of came up as you're talking um uh you know one person versus 22 teams is a lot so what kind of delegations do you give to your coaches specifically your assistant coaches because head coaches got enough you know on their plate so what do you delegate to you know your other assistant coaches so you can have a kind of a um a, a free-flowing program you know because everything yeah. you know not everything goes to you anymore or you know you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, no, I do. And it, you know, I think that was a really hard adjustment. It was almost like this letting go factor when I got here because I came from a place where, you know, there were two of us assistants. There was a head at a high school too. So this was awesome. Head strength coach, two assistants. And we had anywhere between two to four interns every semester. So it was always like, no, a coach will never run a team's lift. Like, no sport coach would ever run a team's lift. Like, a strength and conditioning coach has to. Um, no team will ever be in a weight room without a strength and conditioning coach in there. And that was something I really struggled with because I don't have the manpower. And I came from a school where that was a really strict deadline, one, for safety purposes, but two, for continuity, um, because we all want to create the same message. And if somebody's not educated in strength and conditioning and kind of just goes and tells a kid what they think should happen. And then when I come back, it doesn't happen that way. Um, it's just a lot of inconsistency and it, it kind of, you know, defeats the program. So for me, when I started to run into things like there was a day I, I literally could not be there. Um, and my boss was also like, you also need to take vacation days. And I'm like, well, I can't really do that. I don't have help. And he's like, empower your coaches. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? They have no idea about strength and conditioning. So for me, the way I went about it this year was I would only schedule and or let teams in the weight room if they had a good work ethic, if I knew their coach would show up. And if I think that they had a maturity level of getting something done without me. Now, as a strength and conditioning coach, you know who your teams are that can and cannot do that. Okay, it's made very apparent to you. And typically those teams that got that privilege were the teams that coaches were showing up to their lifts regularly and knew what was going on. Their attendance was good and their maturity was good. Now, I've never made it mandatory that a coach has to show up to their team's lifting because, like you said, head coaches are super busy. Typically, I'll say if you can send an assistant coach, that would be great. One, you want to see what your kids are doing. And two, it's that accountability factor. Because just because I told a kid not to do something or they're screwing around or something like that, but if their sport coach doesn't see it, kids think, oh, I can get away with it, right? So for me, uh, the best example I had was our girls basketball team this year. There was an instance with a few girls. It was continual attitude, lack of effort, and things like that. Um, and the, co the one assistant coach just didn't happen to be there that day. And, you know, I dealt with it. And I always tell my coaches, like, if there is a problem, I will deal with it. I don't want coaches to think I can't deal with it, but I'm going to report back to you because they're going back to you and you and I need to be on the same page. And if they think they can do something under my watch without you being there, it's not going to work. So I always report back to the coach. And th it was great that we have a relation, good relationship, you know, um, and he happened to take away playing time from them. And they didn't understand why. And they were like, we've never missed a practice. We've never screwed around during practice. He said, it doesn't have to just be practice. What were you doing with Coach Wentz in the weight room? And it was just like, oh, my God. You know, you have to take that seriously, too. So a team like that, where maybe there isn't some consistency or there's girls that, or girls, guys, whoever, that can't handle it, that's a team that I know is a no-go. So I have categorized teams, red, yellow, and green teams. My red teams cannot be in the weight room um, without me there. My yellow teams, if I have a committed, you know, I need at least, I tell them, one to two coaches. And then my green teams, I know that if I were to leave and I were to leave a workout, as long as they have somebody there, you know, supervising them, they're good to go. So that's how I've done it. 
um, because it's an earned thing. And I tell them, hey, I will not be here. So-and-so, and I pick like three to four leaders, will be running you through the exercises. If you have questions, you are to go to them. I said, if the weight room's not put, I'm very OCD. So if the weight room's not put back the right way, if the dumbbells aren't turned the right way and all these other little things that we have, you lose your privilege. You become a yellow team. If a yellow team screws up, you become a red team. And at any point, if I'm ever gone, if I have something that pops up and this is not, I don't ever try to plan it this way. But unfortunately, you, you lose your workout time. And that's how I've gone about it because, you know, we have to remember we aren't superhuman and things come up and I would try to schedule my life around work. And as much as I love these kiddos, my boss was like, you do need to take time for yourself. And so that was the best way for me to go about it if there was no other option and I couldn't be there. I think that you hit on something really important, and that is having the coach inside the weight room as well. Maybe not the head coach, you know, because yeah. they they got a lot to do. Uh, yeah. I get it. I've done it. You know, whatever. But there should be a coach in there as well with yeah. you, just besides you. Um, I fully believe this because, like, it's important to you. It, there's no questioning that. It's important to strength coaches that the weight room and the agility, speed, conditioning, all that stuff is important. But it's also got to be important to that sport coach as well. It's got to be important to the assistant coaches as well. Yeah. Because, one, this is your team, right? As a person that's been an assistant coach for four years and a head track coach, I would love to know what my players are doing. What are my track athletes doing? What are my sprinters doing? What are my throwers doing? Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah, that, that's something that I think a lot of people need to implement or need to it needs to start happening right it, it matters to us but it should matter to the sport coaches as well yeah and it's so funny so that my first year going into it i i kind of told the coaches i was like i don't need you there okay right and i, I kind of like laid that foundation because a lot of their concerns was like well i work to so and so time but could i have them come in the weight room while i'm still driving to practice and then you know, they can come to practice right after. And I know so many coaches may not work at the school or whatever. And, and I did that and it worked well. And it really did work wonderfully. But then as, you know, the seasons went on or certain teams, it wasn't every team. Um, but then I started to see, you know, those teams that didn't consistently have a coach there for my team, I would consistently have attendance issues with. Uh, maybe effort, respect issues with sometimes. And so then I started to see it. So then I would say, hey, and then I was like, you know what? So we had just had our end of the year meeting with all of our coaches. And I asked my athletic director to talk. And I said, you know what? It, it needs to happen. Whether it's one, whether it's an assistant, whether it's whoever, there needs to be one. Um, because it just holds that accountability factor. And it just will solve a lot problem. And when coaches see what's going on as well, I think like if I were to go tell a coach, hey, I'm having a problem with so-and-so kid. And they're like, but I'm not having a problem with them at practice or in a game. Then it becomes this, well, like, what's going on? Like, how do I discipline them? You know, not that they don't believe me and I don't believe them, but it's like, now is the kid, you know, messing with us? What's, what's going on? Or why is a kid acting out one way and not the other? So I think it solves that and it bridges that. And I've always told coaches, like, I don't need you to know strength and conditioning. I just want you to be there and 
and embrace it for your team. And I encourage them to ask me questions, pick my brain. Hey, coach, why are we doing this exercise? What can we do to do this? Because there are so many misconceptions and things that sport coaches don't know. Um, or like, why is my athlete doing this? I thought only football players said that. Right. Like there's just a lot of things that they don't know. So I encourage it. I love it when they ask me and then I can explain a little bit about them. And it builds that rapport because I've had coaches say, you know, if a team had a bad lift or something at the end, the coaches can then go say, Coach Wentz is having you do this, this and this because of this, this and this. And it's going to make you better at this, this and this. And then they're like, oh, right. So maybe they don't get it from me, but because myself and the sport coach are on the same page, they know, well, this is going to make them better at this aspect of their game. And so we need to reiterate that to our players that this is why this is important. Absolutely. And on the other side of that coin as well, uh, talking about like discipline issues, I think as strength coaches, we're not there to discipline players. We're yep. there to instill discipline through self-practice of doing correct techniques, yep. sprinting the right way, you know, being in line and uniform, and a little bit OCD, you know, with all of us here. I've, right. I've, I, I totally relate to that because, like, I see dumbbells, I see it just a little crooked, and it, and it absolutely drives me nuts. Yeah. But, but, you know, we're not there to instill discipline through punishment. We're there to instill discipline through self-practice. And I think that's a big kind of... I'm not going to say like a uh, issue, but more of a topic that needs to be talked about more because one is I don't want our players hating the weight room and I don't want them to hate me because, you know, they're sitting around screwing around or whatever. And I say, okay, you know, we're doing 50 up downs, whatever, you know, something ridiculous. And then, you know, they hate me now. They hate the weight room. They don't want to come back. So, I mean, I, I know I, uh, I get that a lot. And I, I always explain to kids, like, when, if there is a punishment, it's never because you can't do something right. You can't do enough weight. It's the way that you've chosen to go about it, the way the effort you've put forth, the discipline. Um, I will never be upset with you if you can't do something, but I will be a little bothered if you don't try to do something and try to, you know, so um, that is my, my big three are drive, discipline, and detail. And, you know, I think detail and discipline you know, can go hand in hand almost, but it, it's the way you go about things. And whether you're in the weight room or not, that's like life, right? You can either do something 100% or you could do it multiple times at 50% and it's not worth it. I actually had a conversation with my volleyball athlete two nights ago. I said, you know, if I put you in a spot and you can give me three rotations at 100%. That's awesome. But if I put you six rotations and you're going to give me 25 to 50%, you aren't effective to our team. And I said, so whatever your role is, be disciplined in it and do it 100%. And I think you can apply that to the weight room too. You don't have to be the strongest. But whether you're using a five-pound dumbbell or a 20-pound dumbbell, you just need to do it right. And you need to do it with the best intent that you can. Absolutely. And that's kind of, and I said this before, every player on a team has, has a role. Every athlete has a role on a team. Yep. You know, you may not be the starting quarterback. You may not be, you know, first string, whatever. But, you know, anything can happen, and you got to be up and ready when your number's called. Yep. And, I mean, that – and I think that's why we try to preach of being disciplined and being detailed because, you know, we're trying to prepare you for that moment 
when your number's called on the field, on the court, yep. on the on the whatever, you know, because you know you you don't know. No one knows. Oh no. But yeah. yeah, nobody knows. But you know you want to be prepared, and you know it's our jobs to prepare them physically for the demands of that sport. Yeah. So if they're not prepared. We didn't do our jobs. Yep. I know. I I I uh, totally agree with you because. They look up to us, right? They look up to us just like their sport coach. And if we don't do our job, we're not preparing them. And we're doing a disservice to them. So I would definitely agree with you, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's kind of wrap things up here. We're yep. going to go into this last segment, talk about Conjunct Coach Spotlight. So this is where um, you're going to give us a shout-out. Shout-out someone that's making the difference in the field of strength conditioning. Um, I would love to shout-out. My previous boss who trained me, Mike Winkler, he's over at Archbishop Hoban High School in Akron, Ohio, and he has made a difference in my life, helped me get to where I am today, and he was my strength coach too in high school. So thank you for developing my passion in strength and conditioning. Awesome, Coach. Well, I want to thank you for being on the Conjugate Chats and taking the time and everything like that to come on and you know bring on a great conversations about um, I basically everything high school strength conditioning up to this point. So, yeah, um, you, you know, it's, absolutely. Um, just you know, so, some of these conversations are a little a little tough to kind of talk about, but you know, at the same time, like I think the message needs to be spread out as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I look forward to uh, learning more about you and your work, and uh, keep listening to this podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjugate Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also, follow Sam on her social medias as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. this episode here i wanted to bring the light to something um most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches um for those that are aspiring strength coaches out there um i set up a gumroad account uh store even to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning starting with um i have study guys on there uh for anyone that's not past the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guys that I've developed over the last three years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS, and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad in which you can purchase or just download for free um, the study guys for CSCS, a couple of my guides for in uh, in season training, and also 
um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjure Chats, and thank you for your continuous support.